Hey, 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 everybody. Hey, hashtag real life. Woot, woot. Uh, we are so excited to have not only one of our bestest buds here on the show today, but just an all around super cool human. Uh, he is, I mean, so multi-passionate. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if there's like one descriptor I could use for one of these, this amazing friend of ours. I mean, he was a groomsman in my wedding. Uh, he is the DJ of all DJs, wrestling fan extraordinaire, uh, and also living out his dream, doing some pretty cool things. Uh, and just dancing, music, fashion, I mean, this conversation should, could go a million places, and I can't wait to see where it, it truly goes. So if you haven't guessed, uh, our guest is the one and only Travis Horn. Welcome. Woo -woo. Oh, hey, what's up? No big deal, everybody. We're just restarting the podcast because it was screwed up. <laughs> Dan Danielle's in her closet getting sweaty. Abby's over here freaking out about the intro. And Travis Horn is here to save the day. Premier podcaster extraordinaire. So let's have a great time and get this party started. Yes. Like Travis said, we were like a good, what, 30 minutes in? No, maybe. Eh, something like that. And we're, we got a little muffly muffly. So Travis is a great sport. And we will keep bringing the awesome, the awesome combo. Did you just say the awesome possum combo? I think so. <laughs> Okay, great. I mean, if you think about it, that's real life. This is what's happening right now. <laughs> this is real hey, ha hashtag real life. Internet can be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you on. And I mean, it's just so great that we were able to have this time to connect and just kind of like get you on the podcast, talk to you about some things and just, like I said, connect and just, I mean... We talked about this before we press record. Like, I haven't seen you in a million years. I mean, I stalk you on Instagram and socials and things like that. But in the flesh, in the present, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I would say I look cooler online than I do in person. But that's just because most of the stuff I do in my life, there's usually a professional photographer there making me look really cool. Um, but I appreciate the sentiments that you, uh, have put out there that I'm a pretty neat guy to follow on the social medias. Uh, I try to be very relevant across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like someone actually cares about my life, but that's just <laughs> me. That's just crazy living my dream. So you're saying you have a, a photographer that follows you around. Like, that's what you're saying. You are living a celebrity <laughs> dream. There's someone who follows you and gets the right angles and takes pictures of you. Um, I try to be in the right place at the right time where people with really nice cameras show up. And when they do, uh, luckily, I'm always asking, uh, hey, where's all those pictures? I'd really love to post them all over my social media and shout you out. And I've met some very cool people with some very uh, amazing photography skills over my time in the world of professional wrestling and DJing. Um, and I've got some pretty dope pictures uh, that I can look back on or that pop up in my memory uh, my time hopper, Facebook memories or whatever you want to call, um, it all the time. So no, I, I'm not a celebrity. I've never been stopped on the street corner being like, Hey, this is TMZ. What do you think about Brittany? And I'm like, uh, I just need to get back to work, bud. Um, so I'm not on that level where someone wants to try to slander me. Um, but we're working towards it. I don't yeah. know, Travis. I think you are doing some pretty cool, legit stuff. I mean, we'll get to it, but you have been on WWE Raw a few times, like not even just as a guest, like you were in the Raw ring. So we'll get to it. We'll like tease that. Um, yeah, teaser. Teaser. <laughs> Travis listening. is legit. My mom <laughs> is his number one fan, probably. <laughs> right. I mean, if you wanted to turn off the podcast, you should just keep listening because we've got some cool stuff. If you want to, if you want to turn off the podcast, I suggest you go to my social media and talk crap to me so I can talk crap back to you and share the link of this amazing podcast that you missed because you shut it off. <laughs> yes. Um, but before we get to that, um, yeah, Travis, I know you said, I thought you were living in small town, Iowa. You're in like small town, Illinois, like quad cities, right? Yeah. Uh, when I originally moved down. I moved away from Ames and I came to Davenport, Iowa. 
Um, Davenport's not the smallest place in the world. It's one of the quad cities. Um, but uh, a year ago, maybe a year ago, something like that, I moved to Orion, Illinois. Orion is spelled like Orion, but it's pronounced Orion. That's the only way I can ever tell people about it. Uh, it's just outside the quad cities. My drive in the morning to work is maybe like 30 minutes, but it's a nice 30 minutes to wake up in my car every single day. And I don't mind that at all. Yeah, you listen to our podcast, right? That's what you said. <laughs> I have started listening to your podcast. Absolutely. You guys have been blowing me away with your amazing stories about The Bachelor and asking people about their quarantine lives and making sure you bring up some amazing Dub H memories. And those are all things that, well, maybe not The Bachelor, but those are almost all things that I love. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so... I mean, Danielle asked earlier, so I'm just like hopping on the train, but yeah, like, so tell us about, I mean, so yeah, we mentioned that you were a D, you are a DJ, you still DJ. Uh, so we know you by many names, aliases, as I learned, uh, <laughs> not synonyms, or not, not pseudonyms. I messed Pseudonym. that one up, uh, in the last recording. And now I just told it myself, but you are a DJ go by DJ click and play and yeah you had some amazing insights on what it was like to be a DJ around all of your wild and crazy friends who were dancing and drinking and having fun and yeah let's try to recap all right let's let's recap this story um I probably I probably won't do a great job telling it again uh because the emotion it's like a second hand emotion that I'm bringing along Oh, don't stop it. You chill out. I got this. I'm a great storyteller. Okay. You are. You are. So yes, my name, DJ click and play. I roll up into the club. My job is to take all of the people that decide to come to the bar. Cause if you're at a dance club, you got to be there for some reason, whether a, you want to dance, B, you want to drink, C, you want to creep. One of those things you're there for. Um, and you're gonna, you're looking to have a good time in one way, shape or form. And my job as the DJ is to make sure that you have the best time. My job is to make sure that you get lost in the night because if you get lost in the night, time goes away and you start to get sucked into the music. You start to get sucked into the experiences. You start to get sucked into the raw emotion of what life is, right? And most people would just go out and be like, hey, um, all that stuff you just said, that's way too deep to think about if you're just going to DJ, right? No, absolutely not. That's how you have to think about it. You have to think about that when you're going out, you're being paid money. It's my job. And I could just BS and I could dial it in and whatever. But when I'm there, I scan the crowd. I scan the people. I scan the guys, the girls the bartenders, the bouncers, everyone, because as I start to play the music, people give off cues of how they're feeling, how they're experiencing, what they like, what they don't. And the second someone's eyebrows lift or they start to like nod their head and they just give you like that small smile, you're telling me, Hey man, this is my style. And now I'm going to cater to you until the next person shows up that I can like look at and start to like read their face, read their body language. And that's what I lived many a nights in Ames. Um, because that's where, to be honest, that's where all of my greatest DJ, as far as like a nightclub DJ experiences ever happened, whether it was Visha or after an Iowa state football win, or just a random Saturday night for no reason that the clubs were just lit. And you couldn't explain it. It was the energy. It was the aura that was coming through and being able to be there in a college town and be in charge of the music that all these people are paying for. And when the club's at capacity and you have all the pressure on the world on your shoulders to deliver, because if you don't deliver, people are leaving, they're going somewhere else. Right. And the nights that there was the club, uh, there was a line out the door. And we could not let people in because I was playing banger after banger and people were like jam packed and trying to get shots and be on the dance floor and screaming and trying to text. And like, 
I don't know, maybe going through a breakup or trying to find someone to get through a breakup or like just falling in love. I was there for all those moments. And whether I saw every one of them happen or not, I was still like looking at it through that lens. There were so many nights where I felt accomplished as a person after a night of DJing because I saw so many people that were leaving with the biggest smiles on their faces. And I knew that was going to carry because when they would leave the bar, they're going to go get drunk food. That's what they're going to do. And if they walk into uh, a pizza place or a burrito place and they're still living the high that I created and they take that into the food and then they go home with someone or they go home and they send a message that they never thought they had the guts to, but the night just took over their life. That is the moments that I live to create through DJing. And whether people ever realize that's how I was thinking about it or not, 100% every single night. Yes, I wanted to play the right songs at the right times to create the right moments in someone's life to make an impact. And that's how I feel when I wrestle now too. I treat every single night that I have the opportunity to wrestle as I could change someone's life tonight. Because for all I know, someone in this crowd has absolutely never seen professional wrestling. And if they walk away from tonight and they remember me as a character and they talk about me and uh, such a, a light because they were so entertained, then I've absolutely done my job. I deserve to be paid for that. And so when I look at professional wrestling, I look at DJing and I look at dancing, all three of those things correlated. I always tried to bring to the table the idea that I was going to create something within a moment that could not only leave a lasting impression, but maybe even change someone's life, whether it was on a small scale or a big scale. That's, that's why I love entertaining so much because the different forms that I've fallen in love with since I've been involved in this stuff, it always gives me an experience to connect on a deeper emotional level with people. And they have no idea that I'm doing that, but I know that I'm doing that. And when I get it reciprocated back, through a thank you or a message or just a hug, that's it. That's all I care about. It's cool that I get paid, but changing people's lives through a ridiculous thing that I get to be in love with, <laughs> I got the best life in the world. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> that's so amazing. I mean, I think I think the best part is just listening to you say all of that, like just hearing your passion about what you do is electrifying, you know? And I think it's something that a lot of people want and gravitate to. And I think that's so amazing that you have that passion in the things that you do and you can explain that to us, you know? And I think that's, that's amazing. Well, I, um, I talked to you guys a little bit beforehand about how I've had a chance to listen to your podcast the handful of times and whether it's uh, Abby, you talking to Danielle or Danielle, you talking to Abby, or if you had a chance to bring a guest on like Sarah, just listening to someone talk is great. But then when you hear the conversation evolve into a passionate level about something that someone really cares about, whether it's just a topic, um, whether it be mental health or fashion or animals or pro wrestling, you can hear the tone in someone's voice change when it starts to get into a, something that they feel deeply about because you almost have to like stop and take a deep breath because you're getting ready to talk about something you feel so deep and passionate about. So when it comes to like just opening up on a podcast or in an interview in any way, shape or form, it's insane to me that you wouldn't like be ready to like bear your soul because people can hear through a podcast exactly who you are just like when they meet you in person, if you don't come across as genuine, you're just tuned out. So when you can learn about someone on the deepest, uh, most intimate level, you feel like you know that person before you've even met them. And that's what I love about listening to podcasts is because people, you guys didn't start a podcast because you thought, hey, Danielle, do you want to make some money and you know be famous? No, <laughs> right. you wanted to have a podcast because you're absolutely genuine best friends who love to talk to each other and you thought if we talk about different topics and talk to different people not only is it going to benefit us in uh releasing what we have built up inside to the world but we're going to have other people on and give them that chance to bear their souls with us 
and also create moments that people get to listen to because now we get to hear these amazing conversations and 50 years down the road, our kids or our grandkids can be like, grandpa, I can't believe you did this podcast with these two crazy ladies, but it was awesome. And I'm like, I know. Well, I just want to say, Danielle, we've, we've done our goal. Our job is done. Like, yes, that's exactly what we wanted to get out of this podcast was Mm -hmm. being vulnerable, sharing cool stories, having fun. And so I'm so glad that that's like translating. Yeah. Right. And, and speaking of, we, I'm curious. So DJing drunk people coming up to you all the time, spilling dirt, gossiping, like (laughs) what is a funny story you have of DJing? Like just ridiculous or just funny, funny things that you've encountered being the DJ. Oh yeah. Can't wait. Okay. Uh, so, uh, as a DJ, the things that you see are undescribable (laughs) because you see everything. Um, there's plenty of times that I saw things that I wish everyone else could have seen, whether it be a miraculous fall or, um, someone, I don't know, spilling a drink or just going crazy. Um, but I'll tell a DJ story, uh, about Danielle specifically. Yes, oh my gosh. Yes. I knew it was going to yes. be about me. <laughs> I just, <laughs> all right, okay. I'm ready. but no, 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 no. It's the, the, the story is about us and the moment that we created. Right. Okay. okay. So when I start to tell the story, Danielle, I know you're going to know immediately where I'm going. Okay. <laughs> so imagine you're a DJ. And you have all the nights of the year to make special. And there's certain nights of the year that people, they build up with this giant anticipation because it's the moment. It's the start of a new year. Yes, I know what the story is. (laughs) And what better way to ring in the new year than be out with all of your friends and think to yourself, we're going to build this ball drop. And it's going to be this this climactic 10, nine, and you're going to count all the way to one and everything's going to explode and there's going to be fireworks and you're going to be like, the new year is here. I'm done with the old. Here we go. So sometimes pressure as a DJ gets to you and you don't know how to handle situations and you can only grow from it if you have an interaction where you're like, "Ah, I wish I could redo that one. (laughs) But it led to an amazing story that sticks to me to this day. So uh, DJ Click and Play is in charge of New Year's Eve. I don't know. Let's say 2009. Um, Who knows? Who knows? I I was there and I was dating D, so it had to have been, I think, 2010. I think it was 2010 into 2011, I think. Boom. We're getting ready to go into the 2011, uh, 2011s, I don't know. Um, So here I am. Uh, we're We're within the hour. And I'm thinking, oh, man, what do we play? I have to get down to that second because in my mind, I'm not smart enough to think that people don't know what the clock on my computer is doing or what the clock on my phone is doing. I actually have control and no one cares about this moment, right? No one's looking at their phone being like, damn, this DJ better not screw this up. They're waiting for me to get on the microphone and be like, are you ready? But I'm so involved in the moment and having a good time that I all of a sudden like think to myself, oh crap, what time is it? And I have lost track of time. And then instead of realizing, okay, all I have to do is turn the volume down and be like, here we go, 10. I panic. I (laughs) I get on the microphone and I go, four, three, two, one. And Danielle just turns around and goes, what the just almost like silence like how do you kill a room is you take the new year the year that we've been waiting for and instead of giving an epic countdown you just hurry up and get on the microphone and you go three two one and everyone goes oh happy new year like people are confused because they don't know if it happened Three, two, one. There it is. Yes. Three, two, one. There it is. There it is. I was like, what is this? (laughs) 
So I took a night that everyone built up and they pick one specific place to go to to ring in that new year and maybe get a New Year's kiss or whatever it might be. And you know what I gave you that night? Three, two, one. There it is. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. And I, yes, I, I remember it so much because I just couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, this, this is a moment, like, this is New Year's. And yes, as Travis describes it, that is how my brain thinks. Like, my brain is like, oh my gosh, it's going to be the best night. It's going to be the greatest. And then it was just, I, it, <laughs> it reminded you of, like, a balloon. And then all of a sudden it just deflated. Mm. Like it was just... <laughs> yeah, I remember dancing at that point and being like, wait, did that just happen? It's almost like I just cut the music for a second and was like, hey guys, the clock turned. Back to the song. And everyone's like, uh, hey. Danielle, be pissed. <laughs> and I, I did. I thought to myself, like, man, how did I ruin everyone's new year by being an idiot? And then I thought to myself, the more I thought about it, I was like, I could have just turned the music down and started going 10. And everyone at the same time would have been like, nine, eight. And they would have, they would have counted with me. They wouldn't have cared at all. And I but, think that's why I was so confused because I was like, why, what is happening? Like, this is a three, two, one. Like, how is this just ending like this? Yeah. And then I just had this moment where I was like, all right, we're going into the new year and this, we're at a three, two, one. Like, let's go. Yeah. Someday someone will be like, hey, how did you go into the new millennium? And you're like, oh, my friend just was like, three, two, one. There it is. <laughs> right. Yep. The new twenty. <laughs> like all right <laughs> but I think that's a testament to yeah you were so in the entertainment aspect and I love that you brought that in like dancing DJing and uh wrestling right are all forms of entertainment and just you're having fun like yeah you exude passion in everything you do and I mean I guess that's good that you were so into it that you lost track of well and it also also shows you that people care and listen (laughs) and want to be there with the dj like i mean i was just excited about it and i'm also just like travis this is your moment like so i mean in theory you know it like abby was saying it all encompasses together where it's like you you were able to exude that so then that's why your your crowd was like what's going on here It makes for a good story. We're here laughing about it now. (laughs) Ten years later. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of those things where uh, I don't know if I just created that one moment for you that night or if there's like someone else out there that was there that night. And they're like, do you remember that New Year's Eve that sucked? The DJ didn't even do a countdown and it was over. Like, what were we even doing? How dumb. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I mean, some of my favorite memories are literally with both of you like we were always all together somehow or doing something funny like honestly I met you guys both the same day in one of your dances Travis it was fall mm-hmm. 2008 and you which had, one which uh, one D-A-N-C-E the justice uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so you had us all stand up round robin and introduce ourselves <laughs> yes <laughs> and I just remember Danielle standing up and being like I'm Danielle. Uh, I'm a super senior. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I haven't changed is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm still super awkward when I talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have listened to the podcast, uh, you know, she's, she's just introducing herself like that every single week. Like I'm Danielle. I'm not sure what to do, but we're going to talk. Yeah. Slow burn. Slow burn. <laughs> I'm a slow burn. A I love it. I but know. that's exactly who she is. And it shouldn't change at all. No. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, how did you get into, I mean, I know we're sticking on the DJ thing, but when did you even like get into DJing? Cause I know you've been a wrestling fan forever. I know you like did dub H at Iowa state. Like when did DJing like come into play? Okay. Um, so uh, previous podcast guest, Sarah, she was a bartender at club element. Um, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to go out and dance. Um, but the problem is that sometimes there wasn't a DJ there. It was just a playlist and the playlist sucked. So I remember thinking to myself at the time that, um, what if I like brought music and I played it and I thought to myself, I think initially I started doing it on the house computer that was there. I was like, I'll play songs 
I'll DJ. Um, I'll do it for free. And I remember the guy that ran uh, the bar, Scott, was just like, yeah, you can do it. It just like, if you want to do it for free, like, go ahead. She's already here. You're already here. Like, just have a good time. And I'm like, cool. I'll run the lights. I'll run the music. There's a, it'll be great. So initially, that's why I just started doing. I would get, uh, I would just come out and play music and mess with the lights. And then after I did it enough times, uh, he was like, hey, if you want to come out tonight, I'll pay you like, I don't know, 75 bucks if you want to do it all night. And I'm like, 75 bucks to play music? Absolutely. Like, I've hit the jackpot. Like, watch out. Here comes my new career. Um, and I thought to myself, okay. And the more I did it, like, the more I just learned about the music that people were listening to at the time. Because it wasn't necessarily about, like, scratching records or, like, insane, like, mashups or whatever. It was about the atmosphere that you created with the music. So once I started to learn, like, I can create my own atmosphere every night and see if I can give these people the experience that I would want, the same idea of what I was creating through Dub H. I was trying to take my vision of a dance and then put it into people and hope they had as much fun as I did. Same idea when I went to the dance club. I'm going to play music. I'm going to hope that my vision of a party in my head is going to be just what you live through the night. And then it's up to you to choose your own adventure, whether you want to drink or you want to dance or you want to socialize. And then hopefully I create that experience. And the more I got into it, the more fun I had, uh, the more serious I took it because I started to get paid more. I got uh, bigger like gigs over time. Um, but at one point I just had, before I had a MacBook, I had an iBook G4, a white iBook G4. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, that's what I first started DJing on. And, uh, I had a, like a milk crate that you would get from target and I would set the milk crate in the DJ booth with my laptop on top. And then I had this little, uh, basic mixer that I would put underneath it just so I could transition songs back and forth in some way, shape or form. Um, no headphones at this point, even just like thinking to myself, like, okay, how's this song start? And that was really hard because when you can't listen to a song and you have to download a song for someone that they request it and you have no idea, you're just thinking in your head, I think I know how this song starts. And then all of a sudden it's got this long intro and you're like panicking and you're like, oh no, this is bad. Uh, it's like the small stuff like that, that I had to live through those, like, uh, those cringe worthy moments that you have to deal with to get better over time. And I had plenty of cringe worthy moments that I had to live through as a DJ where I just felt like I dropped the ball and I was letting everybody down, but that's just because I started to take it so seriously and have a passion for it. Then like when, you know, when stuff happens that you can't control, it's like, I'm not going to turn to anybody but myself because at the end of the night, I'm still going to get paid. But if we didn't have a good crowd, like I don't feel like I deserve that money And the nights where we made a lot of money and I got my pay at the end of the night, I felt, I did my job. I made sure these people are coming back next weekend and we're going to have a party every single weekend from here on out. So whether I was at a uh, club element or AJ's ultra lounge, or I don't know, uh, lost and found <laughs> like uh, so many different places where I had the opportunity to DJ. I made so many friends, so many connections, and it just led me to bigger and better bars where I touched almost every single place in Ames. And when it came down to it, if I look back on like my DJ career, as far as what I did is in the nightclub scene, like I did just about everything I could have uh, within that uh, time frame and those places and the nights that I was able to DJ and the experiences that I created, like it all just started from wanting to play music because there was no DJ. And if you couldn't hire a DJ, there had to be someone there that knew something about music and somebody who knows something about dance knows a little bit about music. And so I was in the right place at the right time. And I mean, I think, I think all that also just really shows like your drive, you know, because you also, you, you had a dream again, you know, where you're like, okay, like I want to be somewhere where I can dance and I can bring music. And then you just kind of like kept making it happen. And I think that just kind of like leads into like your wrestling career and everything too, just having that dream and just kind of moving more and more towards it. Like, do you feel that way or what do you think? Um, 
in a way, yes. Um, because whenever I sit back and I talk with someone about all the things that have happened in my life, and I try to replace scenarios of where I was in the right place at the right time. And because of something happening, the next thing happened. And I can go, I can look at my whole life and I can look at distinct events that if I wasn't in that place at that time, the next thing wouldn't have happened. And if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. So like when I get down on myself or I think like, ah, I don't know if this is right. I always like tell myself, I go, you're here because of everything that led up to this moment and everything that led up to this moment is what you created. You chose to be in those places at those times and let those events affect your life to where you are right now. And when I stop and I'm like really down on myself, I also just have to like look around and open my eyes and make sure that I realize everything that has come before this moment to like suck myself back out of that hole and be like, you're actually in like a really great place that you've created and you don't need to feel down on yourself. But because of that high drive of passion, whether it be dancing or DJing or wrestling, when something goes bad, I, it's all on me. It's all that passion, completely me looking myself in the face and being like, man, not only did you let them down and I probably didn't let anybody down. But I, I look and I go, I let them down. And because of that, then I think I let myself down. And then that's where I have like this horrible self-reflection of not being able to understand that I'm not letting people down. I'm just trying to grow. And I have to, whether it takes 24 hours or 48 hours or just two hours, sometimes it just takes going to bed and pushing that reset button and waking up and going, okay, today's better no matter what happened, you're good. And the things that other people are doing around you in their lives, they're not your life. So just control what you can control. And you know, it's going to be good because there's too much already built up for everything to cave in all at once to destroy everything that you've created. So when I look at all those things from how my career in Dub H as a dancer and a choreographer and being part of the cabinet, and then transitioning to DJing, whether it was clubs or weddings or events into realizing that, screw it, I'm just going to try to become a professional wrestler because what's the worst thing that could happen? I fail and I say, I tried. And because I took that leap of faith and bet on myself in the craziest of ways, this is where I am now. And maybe I'm not financially where I was 10 years ago. But I am living my dream. And because I'm living my dream, the money in my bank account doesn't matter now the way it mattered then because I had a completely different focus on life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think two people who don't know you might think like, yeah, that wrestling came out of like thin air. But Danielle and I and many people know mm -hmm. <laughs> you have been passionate about wrestling forever. Um, I can remember in college, like you had like your different wrestling, like figurines and you would be so pissed mm -hmm. if anyone like moved them or like tried to like play a, a trick on you. Um, but yeah, you, I know you've been passionate about wrestling forever. I've, I've heard you talk about it and yeah, I just think that is so cool that you've taken something that you watched, you like aspired, like, oh, that's so cool and, and did it yourself. So yeah. When did you decide to do that? Like what, like, what are the steps to do that? Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So this story in some way, shape or form has been on some other podcast, but the difference in this story is your husband is my, <laughs> your husband is my best friend. Yes. Um, and your I've given so much of my life to him through things that he's never, he never thought he would experience, but because of me, yeah. he experienced those things. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the ball starts rolling on my idea of being a pro wrestler my whole life. 
I, Hey, what do you want to be? Because people ask you in school, right? Middle school, high school, they're like, Oh, you got to pick your career. You got to get ready for life. You're about ready to run out the doors and you're going to bust open on the last day of high school. And it's time to really grab life by the balls. And that heads up, that shit doesn't happen. And that's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> like that is just a lot of pressure. <laughs> and I think back, like, so if I look at high school, um, I look at myself as this kid that shopped at Gadzooks. He, he absolutely loved professional wrestling with all his heart. And he wanted, because I connected with those people. I looked at them and I'm like, they're different and I feel different. So when the jock kids in my high school would make fun of me because of the stuff I would wear and the stuff I would watch. And I think to myself, like, yeah, I can't be a pro wrestler. Thanks for like shoving it in that you can play basketball or baseball or football or wrestling. And I have nothing. I have like art class that I can go and I can draw and I want to be a pro wrestler, but I'm skinny. I don't have muscle mass. I don't have confidence. I don't have a, a girlfriend to build me up. I'm just trying to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. And when you transition to me getting into community college, like I would say I started to like find myself. Uh, a little bit, right? Because they're still in like community college. If you stay close, friends from community college also go to community college from high school. And you're like, oh, cool. Same people. Great. Here we go again. Yep. And so you're not really out of the picture. And so when I got to Iowa State, great. Now it's actually, I moved to Iowa State. I went to Iowa State because my best friend from high school is going to Iowa State. And I thought I'll be his roommate. I'll go to Iowa State. I'm going to get a bachelor's degree. I'll figure out what I want to do. And this will be great. And by the end of my journey at Iowa State, I wasn't living with him. It didn't matter. I went to school for fashion design. I was just getting through the classes. I wasn't in love with the classes. I was just trying to pass because I wanted the piece of paper. And it was more about my love for dance and what I was cultivating through Dub H than anything. And I stuck around DJing and loving Dub H almost to the point, uh, no, let's say to the point where it overtook my life. Dub H and DJing was my life. And that's it. That's all that mattered. I wanted to, those things are what I represented. That's who I was. That's what I identified as. Mm -hmm. And when I realized I have to step away from this dance thing, because I didn't have a good professional and personal balance, I thought, okay, this will get better. Now I'm going to focus more on the DJ thing. I'm going to focus on working. And I'm going to focus on DJing. But I started to do choreography at a, uh, a dance studio for my high school uh, Spanish teacher. She had a studio. So I started to teach hip hop on Wednesday nights to kids. So now I was still going back to dance and trying to find my professional and personal balance, which again, it was just all out of whack. And when everything kind of came to a halt and I was just trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do? What's going on? I don't know how to make my life better. I'll change this. I'll change that. I'll try to figure out what's going to be the magic key to turn everything around. Mm -hmm. And it never really came. Um, But the one thing I was fortunate enough to experience and live through is the fact that I had someone with me who also knew my family well enough that I had at that time in my life, I had one dream when it came to pro wrestling and that was going to WrestleMania. And the moment on Christmas, when I opened that present and I saw two tickets to WrestleMania uh, that were, that were purchased for me and a friend of my choosing, I thought to myself, this is the greatest moment of my life. I'm going to WrestleMania in one way, shape or form. And the moment that I just got to live, I get to give to someone now because I get to choose someone to come with me. So I remember going to D and I think we were at a, uh, perfect games. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. perfect. Yes. We were, per- we were at perfect games and I gave D uh, a book that I already had. Someone had gifted me a book. And so I thought, Hey, you know what? I'm going to put the ticket in the book. I'm going to give him the book. And then I'm going to be like, Hey, open the cover. I wrote a note. And when he opened the cover, and saw the ticket and then he read the ticket and like looked at me it was like that moment that I got to give to him I was like yes you don't even have to say any words we're going <laughs> yes 
he so, still talks about that month being like the best month of his life because we found out I was pregnant. We went on vacation and then he got to go to WrestleMania and it was his birthday. So he still talks about that was his favorite month of his life. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we go to WrestleMania and it's like an in and out trip. Like we get there on Friday night or Friday afternoon. We're there Saturday. Sunday is WrestleMania. We have to get a like 5 a.m. flight on Monday morning to get back because we both got to work. We have lives that we have to get back to. So it's this whirlwind event that we're like flying into just to experience WrestleMania. Nothing surrounding. And at this point, WrestleMania is huge. It's a spectacle. It's a whole weekend thing that you can make into something if you really wanted to. And so when we got there, um, Saturday, we went down to the football stadium. It was at, it was at Levi's stadium. It's where the San Francisco 49ers play. And they had their like uh, memorabilia shop set up with all WWE stuff because they know all these fans are coming in and out of here, 76,000 people. And they got money that they want to blow on all the stuff to m- make this a memory. And so we go down there a day early and we're having a good time. I'd recently like uh, grown my hair out like a tad and had this uh like almost like mohawk thing going on and we got i got too much sun that day because we were outside and i didn't think that like i was going to get too much sun that's not something that would be in my brain but the next day when i woke up because that night we went back to the hotel and we got this like it was way too expensive pizza i swear to god we got two pizzas and bread six and it was like fifty dollars <laughs> and that's insane when you come from a college town where you can get like five dollars pizza and we spent fifty dollars and we didn't even eat the whole thing no i was mad <laughs> so next day we go to wrestlemania i'm not feeling hot i got too much sun i eat all this greasy pizzas in my system we wait in line we get to wrestlemania we walk in what's the first thing i do i'm like t i gotta go to the bathroom and i puke my guts out <laughs> oh no first thing how do you change your life oh i went to wrestlemania and i puked my guts out and in my head i'm in san francisco's 49er stadium levi stadium all these seventy-six thousand people are pouring in I'm in the bathroom, hugging a stall, throwing up. And I'm worried that like a cop's going to come in and be like, sir, are you drunk? Do we need to escort you out of here? <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, my, I'm thinking right. my, my WrestleMania dream is going to be ripped away from me. And even after I got done throwing up, I was like, <sighs> I'm trying to like drink water. And D's like, he's almost got like his arm around me being like, it's going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to have the best day. And he's like trying to take care of me. And he Aww. knows I feel like shit. And he's, he's being a trooper the best he can without uh, being like too sympathetic where people think like, ah, is that a couple? Like what's going on? That guy's really hugging on him. Um, I'm like, whatever, man, let's go to our seats. And from the moment that like the pyro goes off at WrestleMania, it doesn't matter. It's game over. My whole system goes into shock and I have adrenaline just pumping through me. And I'm like, it don't matter. It's the greatest day of my life. Here we go. And thank God at that football stadium, we were on the side of the stadium that was in the shade because the opposite side of the stadium was in the sun for at least four more hours. Oh, I would have, I would have been dead. I would have been cooked. (laughs) I would have had to like hold the t-shirt up over me or a towel and like block my body. Um, but okay. So WrestleMania happens the whole night. I can't even like go into all the moments that we got to be a part of. There are moments that are ingrained into Demetrius Scott's mind that he will never forget. <laughs> when the rock came out, yes. he, he, <laughs> I, I think he levitated off the ground and he had an out of body experience. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. So, uh, the greatest thing, here's one of those aha moments, right? That you try to think to yourself, like, where were you? What changed your life? So the main event of WrestleMania 31 was a man named Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And that was the championship uh, match that we got to witness. Now, there was a man by the name of Seth Rollins, who is from Davenport, Iowa, where I live now, or where I lived. And he had a briefcase. And in the briefcase was a contract for a championship match 
whenever you want against whoever the champion is. So the match is happening. It's been built. We're like, what's going to happen? Because people don't really like Roman Reigns at this point. So we're booing him, even though he's like the good guy, but Brock Lesnar's the bad guy. So like, why should we be cheering him? And this big thing happens at the end. And then out of nowhere, Seth Rollins music hits. And it's again, we're in a football stadium. This place lights up and he's sprinting down to the ring. And we realize he's going to cash in his contract to make this one-on-one match, a triangle match or a triple threat match. So whoever gets the first pinfall wins the championship, which means the champion doesn't even have to be pinned to lose the championship. And we're all like, Oh my God, we're about to witness history if this happens. And this happens and that happens. And then out of nowhere, Seth pins Roman Reigns and he wins. He wasn't even in the championship match. He oh stole God. He stole the championship. Imagine if you were watching uh, your favorite X-Men movie. And in the last five minutes, a new character came in, slit the throat of somebody, and then they cut that. And you were like, what? That person wasn't even supposed to be in that movie. And that's how it ended. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. What just happened? <laughs> exactly. It was an oh my God moment. And so he runs out of the ring. He's at the top of this ramp. And again, it's, um, I have goosebumps right now. Because every single time I tell this story, this happens. It's me. I'm next to my best friend. We are from Iowa. We are from the Midwest. And we are in California, it's San Francisco 49er Stadium with 76,000 other people. The guy that just stole the championship and is standing on the podium, swinging it around his head with fireworks going off across this whole place. He is from Davenport, Iowa. He is one year younger than me. Oh and, I, and I thought to myself, what is going on? That guy is from Iowa. We're both in California right now. At WrestleMania, if that guy down there can live his dream like he just did in front of all these people, what in the world has been stopping me all these years from at least trying? Because that guy's from Iowa and he did it. Why can't I do it? And I left that moment. I left that night having the epiphany that I was like, yep, this is it. This is my moment. This is my life-changing moment that I'm going to run with. And the fact that I went back to Iowa, I signed up to a wrestling school that was won. He was, it was run by the guy that just had that championship at WrestleMania. I learned from the guy that changed my life. He's the reason I'm a professional wrestler. And he was only a couple hours away from me. And all I had to do was realize I'm going to chase my dream. I am going to move a couple hours away. I'm going to bet on myself. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, I can at least say that I tried. And so imagine having that WrestleMania epiphany. And the only reason I even had money to go to wrestling school is because my dad's mom, my grandma, had passed away. The three grandkids were given money. I had enough money to choose to go to wrestling school. So I had to be at the moment in my life that my grandma had passed away and chosen to give her grandkids money to do whatever they wanted. You could put it into a savings account, start a family. And I thought to myself, I was like, I have a dream. And I was just given money by someone who I've loved my entire life that's gone now. And yes, they may not have wanted me to become a professional wrestler, but if it's what I love and it's what I've talked about since I was a little kid, when I was in the den at the family Christmases and Thanksgivings and whatever, when we got together and they said, Travis, why do you want to be a pro wrestler? And I just said, it's, it's what I love. It's what I want to do. When she passed away and I didn't have my grandpa and I didn't have my grandma. And I now had this money that I could bet on myself after having that epiphany at WrestleMania and thinking to myself, like, this is so dumb. If I don't do these things, there are moments that happen in your life for a reason. And you can absolutely stop and just realize that it's okay to take that chance on yourself and don't take the chance just because it's a a chance, like take it because you as a person are strong enough and smart enough and you can plan to do things that are risky. So that way it will pay off. Even if it doesn't pay off the way you want it to, you're still smart enough 
at that time in my life, I knew I was at an age where I could take the chance and I had enough, thank God, like built up in my savings account. When I chose to come to Davenport, Iowa, I wanted an apartment with laundry in it. And that was it. I wanted a shower and laundry in my own apartment. I signed my lease sight unseen. I'd never even been in my apartment. It was down, it was down to the wire. And I'm like, I'm living here, whatever. And over the years, when I was learning to become a pro wrestler, I watched my savings account go down and I watched my credit card go up. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And eventually things turned around. I had new people come into my life. I had uh, someone come into my life uh, who is my girlfriend now, who I've been with for many years. And without her coming into my life and realizing it was okay for me to let go of my past because she was there to hold my hand into my future and realize that she would support me on what I was choosing to do and me starting to find that personal and professional balance again. That's where I realized, okay, I can chill out. Things are going great. I don't have to start. I don't have to sprint. It's not a sprint to the finish. It's always just, it's a very slow jog. And as long as you're enjoying that jog and you're looking around left and right, enjoying what the world is giving to you every day, and you're kind of soaking that in and making sure that you enjoy those moments and not only enjoy them, but create moments for other people. That's what it's all about. And I've been able to live so many things. And when I get to talk about them and I get passionate and you can hear it in my voice when I start to want to tell these stories, because I wish I could tell it to more people. So that way they could just stop and be like, damn, like you live that. And I'm like, yes. And you are living those things too. You just have to stop and think what you've lived and retell that story to someone and think about how you got to that story and how you started that journey and where you are now and where you want to be. Cause you, like you guys said last week on your podcast, you have to talk stuff into existence. You have to be like Jim Carrey. You have to write $1 million on a check and carry that check. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, if people go, Hey, what do you want to do? Uh, with professional wrestling every single time I say I want to wrestle for WWE I know that is so far-fetched and that is so insane but if I keep saying it it's real it's in my head I'm speaking it into existence and whether it's a promotion big like WWE or other growing promotions that are large if I keep telling people that I want to wrestle on a giant scale because I want to entertain thousands of people and I want to change people's lives just like it changed mine that's what I truly want to do. And when I speak that into my everyday life, when people talk to me about pro wrestling, they think of it as like this crazy thing. Like, oh yeah, my dad used to like Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, I know. But if you even understood like how cool it can be, it's not about that. Like if you come to a local independent professional wrestling show where you can get together with three, 200 people, 300 people, think of it as exactly the same type of night, Danielle is you went to club element. There was 200, 300 people there. You didn't know it was jam packed, but you left being like, holy shit. That was the greatest night I've ever lived. Mm -hmm. That's the type, that's the type of moment I try to create at professional wrestling shows. And that atmosphere can build throughout the night because the matches on the card are just like the music I would play at the club. And if you build it correctly at the end of the night, everyone's leaving going, Oh man, that was amazing. I can't wait to come back next time. And that's all I'm doing dancing and DJing and wrestling. It's all the same. Everything's the same if you treat it. Yeah. I, I mean, you said, I mean, you said it perfectly, like you have to take risks and it's scary as hell to do that. But sometimes, yeah, you have to like bet on yourself, right? Like you said, like your savings was going down, credit card going up, but you like kept working and yeah, you've been seeing things come to fruition. And yeah, I, myself and D surprised you what was it? It was uh, either for your, it was around your birthday, but when you wrestled Jerry, the King Lawler in uh, whatever the, I can't remember it was Southeast Southwest. It was small town, yeah. Iowa, yeah. but it was so much fun. Like even my mom was there. Like I said, at the beginning, my mom is one of Travis's biggest fans <laughs> pre wrestling. Like love. what's up? What's up, Paula? I hope you're listening. I love you. Yes. Well, she has to download Spotify first. Paula, Paula, download Spotify. I'll teach you. 
<laughs> we'll just keep sending you links. We'll, yeah, we'll figure, it out. We'll links figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was so much fun to see like the diehard loyal fans who like you have a following, like mm-hmm. people were bringing signs, you were selling merch. And what I found even funnier, it was like, cause you were the main event, right? Like you were wrestling a hall of famer from WWE and you were the bad guy in the situation. And <laughs> that was so much fun to be like the, not the soul. Cause your family uh, and sister, mom, dad were there. And it was just so funny for us to be cheer. We're like, go JT energy. And then everyone's boo. Like, <laughs> and you were just working the crowd. Um, and just having so much fun. Oh, also like an event, I think it was in Des Moines or no, maybe Ames when you thought this like redheaded dude was my mom and you lap danced him. <laughs> if you can only see Travis's face right now. <laughs> It was I a thought, small venue. You thought someone, you thought someone next to me was my mom, and you came out. I was like, it was, it was me, Dean, Eli, and you thought the person next was my mom, and you came out, and we're like dancing. You're like, oh, thought that was Paula. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I probably did that. I don't remember that, but you remember it, and I created that moment. So I'm glad you're here to retell it. Yeah, like it is. It, it's just been so fun to watch your journey, and yeah, like we have on our dbr when you like guest appearanced on monday night raw like in that person's like train of like hype i don't know who it was sorry <laughs> okay uh, it's okay i cared about you <laughs> that's who i wanted to watch but, so in so like you get that gig okay so uh you threw so many moments at me i'm gonna try to like uh, backtrack okay <laughs> so um okay. there was a wrestler in wwe his name is no way jose Really, that's why his name is. No way, Jose. Yes. And he and he's a party guy. He like he's from the Dominican Republic, and he comes out, and there's always a party. There's a conga line with him. Well, when people work for WWE, they need extra talent, just like a movie would need extra talent to fill in stuff. You got to have the extras there to do what's needed as far as creating the movie. So, no way, Jose was a character that he needed a conga line, and I got to be part of that conga line two times yep. <laughs> the first time was okay it was fun like it was my first time working for wwe so i got to go out there it was a pretty neat time you got to be crazy you got to dance and i thought to myself like this was made for me right and so jump forward to the next time i get to work for wwe and we get to do the same thing again right and it's me and my close uh wrestling buddies from a lot of us from the des moines or the quad city area a lot of black and brave students that's where i went to wrestling school and so they're like you're going to be part of no way jose's conga line who's going to lead the conga line and i had a couple of my friends like turn to me and i'm like <laughs> i'm going to lead the conga line and uh when he's like okay you're gonna lead the conga line in my head i'm like i'm the fucking man like <laughs> we're going to the moon tonight baby <laughs> Because I knew he was going to come out with like this energy. And I thought to myself, I'm like, no, you have no idea. JT energy is going to be behind you and it's going to be another level. <laughs> but like, I'm not supposed to make it about me. But in that moment, I was like, no, tonight's about me. This is my moment. <laughs> and so you get to dress crazy, right? And so the one thing that stuck out, we were close to Easter that year. So I had these bunny ears on that my girlfriend had given me. And I'm like, I'm going to walk out with these glasses and these bunny ears. And I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb, especially when I'm leaving the conga line. I think you also had a pink like mesh. Oh yeah. Like this really tight red mesh shirt and these bright yellow shorts that I bought. Yeah. I was going to say, was there booty shorts involved? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you can get away with, I was doing it. Right. Because I'm trying to show off my physique at that time and whatever, like just get somebody to notice me. I don't care. You're feeling good. You're feeling good, right? Right. I was feeling myself. (laughs) So like the music hits um, and we come out and I still can watch that video. And I like the bunny ears are rigid, right? By the time we get down the ramp to ringside, the bunny ears had folded backwards because (laughs) I had moved them so much and they were like stuck to my head almost because I was going crazy. I was shooting my arms out as big as possible (laughs) Um, uh, to take a, a turn from dance. I was going full out full out okay yes um i was not covering down we were going full out we're not marking yeah full out out. it was the 7 p.m show it was the last dance and i was going full out baby steven flag dance all the way absolutely (laughs) yeah so and in that moment like 
when we went down to ringside and then we went back, like I thought to myself, I'm like, all right, that was my, that was my moment. And I've had a chance to uh, work for WWE a couple times, like you said, um, just doing different little things here and there. And again, every single one of those moments is my moment. It's what I get to look back and reflect on that is in physical media form that I can always look back and be like, there I was. I got to do that. Amazing. That's who I got to work with. So cool. And when I got to be on Monday Night Raw, so to jump kind of into that story. So maybe one week a year, Monday Night Raw is taped. Every other single week, it's live. Every single week since like 1995 or something. Every single week, there is an episode of Monday Night Raw. Not always live because they went through phases where they did tapings, but mostly live all the time since 1995. But I was on the Christmas episode, which was taped. So here's the cool part. I was chosen. I was chosen. And it was nerve wracking to be like a guy sitting there looking at a group of people being like, okay, what do I do? Who do I choose? Mm. And me like looking into this man's soul, like, please, God, read my brain right now. I have to be, this is my moment. I need it. And and he points and he goes, okay, you. And I'm like, yes. Like my, my, my heart. Oh, hundred (laughs) percent. And I, I probably look like a serial killer. I was staring at this man so hard. And he's like, oh man, I don't know if that guy wants it. I can see it in his eyes. So I'm like, yes, I get to wrestle on Monday Night Raw. This is my moment. And I get to face Eric Rowan, who's like 6'5", 300 pounds, giant man. His job is to murder me. <laughs> I don't care. Especially when I figured out that I was on the Christmas episode. So rewind to that Saturday night at scw pro every single year for our christmas show i dress up in some scantily clad santa outfit which gives christmas a bad name and i just i think i had a t-shirt or a crop top on that said like santa's favorite hoe or something (laughs) like that and i bought candy canes i'm hanging from my ears or whatever and i'm thinking to myself i'm like i'm gonna be part of no way jose's conga line again i'm gonna bring all my christmas stuff it's gonna be great And then they're like, all right, you're in this match with Eric Rowan and he's going to, he's going to kill you, but we're going to, you're going to offer him candy canes. And I go, uh, weird. Cause I brought a box of candy canes and they go, you brought candy canes. And I'm like, oh yeah, I used them at my wrestling show the other night. They go, go get your candy canes. And I go, okay, I'll be back. And I show up, I got this handful of candy canes and they're like, all right, we're going to put them in the back of your trunks. You're going to hand one to him. And he had this mystery thing that I was going to hand the rest of them to. But the, the best part. So I'm a storyteller when I wrestle, when I do anything. And uh, normally when you wrestle a match where you get destroyed, it's very quick, very destructive. And it makes the other person look really good. That's the point of the match to show you how great this person is against the little puny guy. So because I'm giving him candy canes, I get to stop time and I get to reach back, slowly grab a candy candy cane, slowly (laughs) present it to him on camera, let him take it, slowly (laughs) slide out of the ring in a provocative manner, slowly pull the rest of the candy canes out and slowly walk. And then he gets to crush me. But when I go back and I looked how long I was on TV, I controlled every single second of it. What I what I didn't do on New Year's Eve, I did on Monday Night Raw. I had my moment. You're like, I said, this, "This is my candy cane moment." Absolutely. Was so good, Travis. And it, I'm pulling candy canes out of my trunks. I'm like, three, two, one. There it is. I'm I'm sending it subliminally to you, Danielle. And so whatever, I get crushed. I I know this happened, right? But it was taped. So I get to sit at home and I'm like giving everyone the wink. I'm like, maybe you should watch Monday Night Raw because the people that attended it live, they're already like putting it on Facebook and tweeting about it like, oh my God, JT Energy was on Monday Night Raw. And I don't want to say anything. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, everyone, I was on TV. I want to be like, no, just watch it. I don't, whatever you think, you know, just let it happen. Okay. And so I got to be at home 
watching my professional wrestling debut on TV, watching myself on TV because I was on the one episode the whole year that was taped and not, I did not wrestle as JT energy. Every other person on that TV show that was a black and brave student got to wrestle as their name. When I told the guy, he goes, what's your name? I go, JT energy. He goes, Hmm, what's your real name? And I go, Travis Horn. He goes, let's use that. No other person, no other person. Right. And in my head, I'm like, why, why me? Why don't I get to be my gimmick name? I'm JT energy. And he goes, no, it's just safer. And I'm like, whatever, man, I'm sitting at home. Anyone in my entire life that I've ever met that has met Travis Horn could have been going and flipping through the channels and seeing. And when that header popped up on the TV and it said, Travis Horn, every person in my life that I've ever told that I was going to be a professional wrestler, I did it. Travis Horn was on TV on Monday Night Raw under WWE, and he wrestled in a match on TV. JT Energy still never made his WWE debut. That's for the future. But Travis Horn lived his dream that night. (laughs) 